all of us have this childhood trauma that our childhood brain couldn't cope with and deal with. That's why therapy is so important, dude. His hands ever had therapy? I think it's unnecessary. I will say I would do it again. And this doctor calls me, he says, hey, I just want to call and let you know that your wife's paralyzed. My body just went numb. What was the biggest regret and the biggest win from Diesel Power Gear? We recently closed that company down. Our biggest year was like $30 million. What happened with Nikola? Definitely not sweeping that under the rug. It's going to be something real big real soon and you guys will see it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I'm not going to give you some long, crazy, drawn out intro where I say the same thing over and over again, just in different ways, which is something I tend to do sometimes. Instead, I'm just going to tell you that the Heavy Checklist podcast is back and uh, we got some familiar faces. Big Marcus Wing over here and we've got Mr. Is it Meat Curtain or Ham Wallet? Sister. Sister Meat Curtain. Yeah. Okay. We've got the muscle. Um, funny backstory and his nickname here uh, that we'll get into here in a minute. Now, as you guys know, the format of this podcast is about uh, just basically becoming a better human and finding ways to feel more fulfilled and, you know, more joy and spread that joy and happiness to everybody that you come in contact with. We call it the heavy checklist because every episode we come up with um, a few different kind of um, items that we give you as marching orders or homework that uh, are things that we've implemented in our own lives that you can take and implement in your life. And it's everything from, you know, taking ice baths, which we were talking about three years ago, which is insanely trendy and crazy now over the last couple of years, it's become really popular um, down to what kind of pizza combinations you should try. Like literally, we're just going to share with you things that make us happy. So, um, and also more importantly, we're going to share with you things that may be hard, but that are good for us and help us to grow. So the format is going to be, obviously we've got, uh, me and Marcus have been doing this together forever. We've uh, invited the muscle to come along and help us host the show. And then uh, you'll see a lot of our, you know, regular characters, people that you may recognize from um, our program and our content and stuff like that. Diesel Dave, uh, he'll be on here. But more importantly, we're going to have some of the most killer guests you've ever seen. Like yeah. our goal is to bring on the types of guests that, you know, ranging all the way from Marcus's wife, Heidi, who just went through a completely life changing tragedy that's turning into like one of the coolest, most heartwarming sto stories I've ever heard to guys like, you know, I want to get the president on here. I'm maybe not the current president, but I would like to get um, some of these high profile people that maybe never sit down in this type of setting and kind of pick their brain and open them up a little bit and figure out what makes them tick and what's made them successful and uh, what some of their major downfalls have been as well. So that's going to be the format of the show uh, tonight. Essentially, since this is kind of the welcome back episode, we're just going to fill you guys in on kind of where we're at, what's been going on in our lives, um, different updates, things that we've been going through, things that uh, we're looking forward to. And then also we've opened it up to a little bit of a Q&A. So I just put up an Instagram story and I asked uh, people to basically submit their questions. Um, and so when, whenever we do that, we get, oh man, we get thousands of questions. So obviously we're not going to be able to get to thousands of questions tonight, but we're going to be able to get to a handful of them and, uh, and hopefully answer some of those deep burning questions that you guys have. So that is the format. Um, before we get started, I'd like to ask you guys, before you even listen to the show, if you are a fan of this, or if you've listened to it in the past and, you know, received some sort of value out of it, we ask that you please just share these episodes. That is the most critical thing that you can do for us. Um, share it on any platform. Obviously, this is on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, um, anywhere you find podcasts, you'll find us. 
share the link. Um, maybe post it on your page and, and tell, you know, friends and family that are seeing this stuff, like, hey, this helped me, you should check it out. That would help us greatly. And the more you guys share, the more incentive and um, drive we have to continue to create more content. I have this wild lofty goal of releasing two episodes a week. Um, but we'll settle for one. I mean, we'll start with one. Right? Uh, how about yeah. just two two weeks in a row? Two <laughs> we start there? So we're going to start by trying yeah. to do this two weeks in a row yeah. consecutively. Consecutive. Uh, because, uh, as you guys may know, if you've followed the show for a while, um, there's been a lot of times where we've started, gone a few episodes, and then life happened and we stopped. And, you know, it's been, we've had a huge hiatus, uh, probably well over two years, right? Yeah. And um, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? Well, we started actively doing this in 2019. Just before the pandemic. And we ran it pretty solid for about a year. And then it started to kind of taper off. Pandemic obviously kind of made things weird. Got every excuse in the book. None of them are good. So we're just going to roll into this and prove to you guys and more importantly ourselves that we can actually stick with it and do it because it's something that we really do enjoy. And I don't know about you, Marcus, but I've had so many people reach out and be like, hey, man, episode blah, blah, blah of your podcast changed my life. And when we're recording this, we don't really think like that. We don't, I don't think right now that what I'm saying is going to potentially change the course of somebody's life, which, you know, in turn changes the course of their family and generations to come. It's pretty big stuff. And so that's why we're taking it very seriously. But we have had a lot of you reach out and just uh, give us your stories. Tell us the things that you've implemented and how it's uh, made your life better. And we really appreciate that. And our goal is to continue down that path. So for um, at least two weeks in a row, <laughs> for at least two weeks in a row, that's what we're committing to. So I've got my little Caesars hot and ready here, uh, which I'm going to uh, probably eat here on camera. I apologize in advance for the chewing noise. Joe Rogan, did you guys hear his podcast recently with Elon? Uh-uh. They were talking about pizza, got all excited about it. And Joe ordered a pizza during the show. It showed up and they start eating it. And Joe just kind of goes ham, like just kind of blacked out and just starts going crazy, like eating more and more and more. And he's <laughs> chewing in the mic and you can hear this pizza for like, you're thinking it's going to be like a 10 minute, 10 second clip. 10 minutes later, they're still chomping on the still pizza, chomping. just having the best time ever. Yeah. Loving the pizza. I think it got to the point where Jamie actually had to pull the pizza away from him. And he's like, Joe, stop. Because Joe just, he doesn't eat junk very often. And when he does, he just kind of goes goes ham. ham. I'm assuming it was the munchies. Probably, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, So if that starts to happen here on the show, you guys can feel free to deal with it. You will hear us eating. (laughs) Yes, you will. All right. So with that said, let's get into the conversation. Um, Since we last did this, I can't even remember the date of the last show. Like we said, it was well over two years ago. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, life moves fast. Sometimes it feels like life moves really, really slow and nothing that you're trying to make happen is happening the way you want it to. And then all of a sudden a year goes by and you're like, whoa, I've accomplished a lot. Hmm. Like, you know, you and I were having this conversation the other day. I think it was episode one of our podcast. We talked about creating vision boards and vision boards are pretty powerful tools. Unfortunately, they've kind of got this stigma attached to them where it's like, oh, it's like woo woo voodoo hippie shit. I disagree 100%. Vision boards are very powerful. It's basically just a reminder to yourself of, of some of your goals and it's a visual reminder. So it's, you know, right there in your face. But when it comes to vision boards, before I really knew how potent and powerful they were, kind of when I was first getting started, and this would have been when I was 22, 23, 24, I threw everything on there. Did you really have a vision board then? Oh yeah, I you have did? a, yeah, I have a, did I 
bringing the printed copy? No, but I've seen it. Yeah. The only I, I reason I asked that question is because everybody always said, oh yeah, I had a vision board, but I don't think a lot of people really No, that's the, the best part about my vision board story. And the reason why I actually included it in episode one of this podcast is because my vision board was, I put some stuff on there that a kid from my upbringing, my background, uh, my family situation probably shouldn't have ever thought that he could accomplish like Black Hawk helicopters and stuff like that. So yeah, I did. I, I think it was 2000. 12 or 2013 is when I uh, put back my vision board I was together. living in Kenny's basement back when you, yeah. and he was showing everybody the secret. Yep, exactly. I saw the secret yep. uh, and huge. And Kenny will be on the show too. You guys have seen Kenny uh, in the past. He helped us host. Um, Kenny's also going to be part of the new program moving forward. But Kenny introduced me to the secret and then he, I got introduced to vision boards. Long story short, I put a bunch of stuff on my vision board and then just kind of went to work, started living. I don't think I looked at it. There was probably a period of about five years where I just kind of forgot because life got real busy and my career started taking off. And then when I came back to shoot this podcast, I went to look at the vision board to show everybody that it was real. And I'm pretty sure everything, if not 90% of the stuff on there, I'd already received. Yeah, and I you didn't showed even, me. I didn't even realize it. You showed me and I remember seeing it and remember thinking like, you did everything on that board. Like down to the very exact dog yeah down to the same color of a black hawk yeah. helicopter and you have to remember that as i was doing these things accomplishing these goals i wasn't consciously thinking of okay that's on my vision board check it off i just knew i, I had kind of drilled these things into my subconscious so deep that it was really shit. really the thought. audio guy we got the it. audio guy sorry folks leland johnson is calling me i have no idea who that is as you can see we're a little bit rusty so Bear with us here because I'm sure that's going to be one of <laughs> phones many. going on mute. Yeah, hey, was, you didn't have your vision board here, but you did have recorded affirmations that you did play. How about that? Which was pretty cool. Yeah, those affirmations. I remember seeing the vision board. I remember you showing it to me and us talking about how you had already accomplished everything that was on that board. Yeah, and so that's why I brought it up tonight is because now I understand the power of the vision board, and yeah. it's funny because I'm actually kind of reluctant to put things on it now. That's and what it's we not talked about. Be, the yeah, other it's night. not because I don't think I can accomplish them. It's because I know that whatever I put on there is going to enter my life very soon, and so I have to basically prioritize because I know if I put it on there, whether I intend to or not, my effort and focus is going to kind of start to go that direction. So, let's say I wanted to own a McDonald's franchise, right? Well, if I put that on my vision board right now, a lot of other stuff that I'm working on would kind of take a back seat to this goal that I have and I would focus and I would make it happen. Which truthfully, you would be a great McDonald's regional manager. Regional I, manager? Yeah. I was saying this 2023, couldn't we like maybe think of like a healthier choice than McDonald's? No, 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 no. If Dave's going in on a restaurant, it's McDonald's for sure. But he's a, hold on. It's probably a, a Betos, actually. Yeah, God a Rancheritos. A Rancheritos, yeah. Not and, and he's the regional, regional guy. I am the regional sales champion yeah. three years in a Absolutely. row. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, no, but that's the thing. So I'm not telling you to not put things on your board. I'm just saying that once you get momentum and you really start to understand how this manifesting and this, you know, uh, basically goal setting works, you got to be careful because uh, one thing I've learned over the years is you don't get time back that you spend. Um, and so you have to learn how to use it the most effective way possible. And also, I think a lot of people spend their whole life stressing about running out of time. 
and they literally use all their time just thinking about running out of time and not having enough time. Uh, and where, where I'm going with that is we kind of forget to live sometimes. You get so focused on these goals and your career and different things that we're working on. So with that said, uh, it's time for me to update my vision board. I've slowly been adding stuff to it uh, the last six months or so, but uh, I'm going to basically have to do a whole new one because everything that I put on my original board is already in Keaton, my possession. Do you have a vision board? Um, yes and no. I have a it's vision board that I say, no, no, no. I, I have, I actually have one, but the one that I did last, I've accomplished everything on it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, cause he kind of got into it. One of the things that we talked about when we were at my house the other day is what we have learned is not to put things on there unless you're truly ready to have it because of the amount of time and energy that it takes to do and have what you're seeking. So like for me, I literally have said to myself, I'm not going to put a yacht on there yet. Not because I don't want a yacht, but because I fully comprehend what it's going to take time and energy wise to get that thing that I put on the the board. I'm now in the position, Dave's in the position, you're in the position where we understand when we put something out into the universe, we're going to get it, but we must match that energy and, and work to get it. And truthfully, like, not that I don't want a yacht right now, but I don't want to put the energy and the time and the work into getting it right now. So I'm not going to put a yacht on my, my vision board. So now it's not about putting together a vision board, but it's literally going through and being decisive. Like he's saying and saying, Ugh, I do want that, but I'm not, I'm not going to put that on the board yet. Let me tell you the way that I view that. What I'm hearing you say is you would love to have a yacht and it would be a huge goal of yours. Check that off the list. If you were able to get one. But right now, if you wanted to get that yacht, like you said, you would have to kind of redirect a lot of your attention and focus to be able to make that happen. And then you would start using it like crazy. So I think what you're really trying to do is instead of putting the lot or that that yacht next on the list, you can leave that down the line a little bit and put some more short-term goals on that list. And those goals are inevitably going to be the things that support you in being able to get the yacht in a way that doesn't consume all of your time and attention. Yeah, because you have- Creating a lifestyle. You have to you have to understand when you build big things in your mind and you dream big things, you gotta put everything into it. And that sometimes means like, okay, that means something's gotta take a back seat. Work, family, personal time. And again, I'm not saying I don't want the yacht, but do I want it yet at the sacrifice of my personal time right now, or my business, or my family time? No. Not so right now. What you're saying is that you're learning how to prioritize. Yeah. Even though it's still a goal and I will have it one day, I'm learning how to prioritize the things in front of my face that I want now and the things I want in the future. Yeah. yeah. Does it sound crazy that I'm not a millionaire, right? But I don't want to be one. Why? Because I know I could make a million dollars this year today. And I tell that people all the time. I'm like, yeah, I can make a million dollars this year, but I don't want to do what it takes to get there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you have, if you start doing those things, what's going to suffer? My family lifestyle. Like, look, I do well. You're living the life of a millionaire right now. Dude, I, I'm, well, obviously there's a lot going on right now, which I would definitely change and could get better, yada, yada, yada. But lifestyle wise, my business and what I'm doing, like, I am so content and happy to be here that it's like, yeah, people say, oh, why don't you put a million dollars or why don't you put us on the vision board? Because I don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I just, I mean, there's things on my vision board right now, like obviously priority number one and pretty much mission one in all of life right now is just to get Heidi better. Yeah. And which we're going to get into here in a minute. And I, and I don't, we don't need to talk about that, but I'm, I'm just no, saying. I, I like, do, I do want to talk about that. On that same, that same note though, it's like, yeah, you know, you can get a yacht this year, but is it worth what it's going to take to freaking get you there? Well, not only that, yeah. but let me ask you this. If I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do? I don't know. Probably just spend time with your family. I mean, I'd probably take some sweet vacations with them. I'm not going to put it in business. I'd probably just go have a lot of fun with my family. And what are you doing right now? I'm having a lot of, well, with Heidi's injury, we've had to kind of like uh, adjust, right? But we yeah, still but dude, do a lot of things together. We this, still spend, and me and Heidi spend a lot of time together, which I wouldn't trade for any amount of money. So while we're on that subject, why don't we get into what happened and just, so keep in mind as he's talking about this, we are going to have his wife Heidi come in for a whole episode because what she has accomplished is nothing short of a full-blown miracle. Um, and it's happened right in front of our eyes and it's been insane to watch. So I don't mean to like switch the gears here either. I was just saying, when you were saying that, it's like, dude, I could make a vision board right now and be like, yeah, I want, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And I'm saying sometimes like, at least in my case, dude, I think it's okay to realize that you don't want that. So can I, this is a thought that I've had recently that I've kind of struggled back and forth with. Would that not mean that your vision board actually is these things with the things that you're, you would think you're missing? For example, for you, your what vision you board is, well, I want to be a millionaire because everybody wants to be a millionaire, but you don't no, hold on. Yeah, you do. You just don't want to have to do what it takes. Yeah. You don't want to. But so then wouldn't the vision board be become a millionaire without having to sacrifice time with my family? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think it just takes a lot of freaking effort. I'm sure it does. I'm sure yeah. it does. But again, it's still that still. On, and I think some of this and I actually like this conversation. I think some of this is actually figuring out what it really means to put together a vision board and your priorities to have what you want, because there are actual like levels and priorities. And so for you, like, dude, you, you want to have them if you if you were like, can I have a million dollars in my bank account or not? No, I don't want to. No, you would. You sure. just don't want to have to do the things that it takes, which you know would take away from time in the family. Because I could be a millionaire yeah. this year if I wanted to. But maybe, maybe the real vision board for you is in two years after, because dude, your business is going to go crazy this year. And in two years, you will become a millionaire without having to sacrifice the time with your family that you're originally thinking. And it could be slower. I mean, I, I could happen eventually over time, but I just, my vision board looks, and I don't, I don't have one written yeah, out. Yeah. Let's, let me be honest. I'm not going to sit here and fake and tell you that I do, but if I was to map it out, it would look a lot different. But that's why I think, honestly, the whole point of this is like, there's timelines to your vision boards. Yeah. And I think you're, what we're really talking about is your vision board right now doesn't have make a million dollars and give up time with my family, but your vision board probably in two or three or four years when you're, when your business is just fucking crushing has this like, oh yeah, I easily made a million this year. By the way, I spent more time with my family and made that money. Yeah. But I think we're going about this the wrong way, to be honest with you. After that conversation we had the other night talking about like, oh, I'm, I'm reluctant to put things on there because it's going to consume all my time and energy. That right there is giving into uh, a weakness that we all have, which is not learning how to prioritize um, and not learning how to, you know, put um, put certain things in front of other things that are going to lead to a more sustainable path and a future. So we should be putting everything on there, but we should also be consciously and subconsciously 
prioritizing that and actually putting a, a timeline together in our head. So if you want that million dollars, obviously you want it and you would love to have it tomorrow, but at what cost? And so you have to do that calculation and figure out, okay, I could have a million dollars tomorrow, um, but it's going to consume all my time for the rest of the year. And I'm going to miss out on time with my family, or I would like to become a millionaire eventually. And I want the universe to put that in my lap at the right, perfect time. But it's something that's still going to happen. That's yeah. one thing that i never did with my vision board. And I'm glad I didn't. I never put uh, deadlines on it. Because but did you have timelines on never, anything? Never. I never See, put- and I, I always did. That's why I had such a hard time. Cause I like what you're saying. You're literally saying like, put out there what you want. Like it, it would be like we said the other day, look, I'm not going to put it because I don't, I'm not ready for it. Well, that's not that you should, but you should be able to prioritize it in a timeline that makes sense to get what you want, how you want, when you want. I'll tell you what I'm going to start doing with my vision board when I kind of reorganize it is I'm going to take those big lifetime, long-term lofty goals and put it at the top and then work down from there. And I'm going to build basically kind of building blocks and milestones that I can hit on my way to that big moment or those big items. Yeah. And I think that's going to allow us to, and granted things may not happen in that order, Mm -hmm. but as long as you understand that you don't have to get that top item tomorrow or next year, or what I would say is if you're going to put a timeline on it, give it a lot of thought first on, on any certain item or on the vision board as a whole, put a lot of thought into that and think about, yes, I do want this thing, but how is this going to affect other areas of my life? Can I tell a quick story? Yeah. So this kid who worked for me and I won't name him personally because I don't want him to know that I'm disclosing his family's personal information, but his parents had these goals that they were going to retire and freaking travel the country. Right. And so they both worked full-time jobs, made really good, you know, money put away. And they were one year away from their retirement, which they were going to execute on all these goals. Mm -hmm. His mom got terminal cancer and she died three months later. Wow. So she spent her whole life looking at this end goal of retiring and not and allowing herself to feel to do it fulfilled then. until it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that it taught him lesson. He was going to school to become like a lawyer and he's like, screw this. And he started traveling and he just started living. Right. And I've always thought about that too. And especially with like, and I, I don't want to keep bringing up Heidi, but it's a, it's a big thing in my life right now. Dude, like Heidi could have died. Yeah. And that would have been it. You know what I mean? So one thing that I know with all everything going on and all the vision stuff and the goals and shit is you just got to freaking enjoy where you're at, whether you got a million dollars in the bank or you got 10 bucks that life can be enjoyed at any stage. You know what I mean? And you never know when you're going to die. So as much as it's good to set these goals and to, to get there, it's like, enjoy the process, man. Enjoy your family and don't wait to live until you've hit those goals. Cause there's a lot of good times that come along the way. That that's the thing though. I think that all of us miss often is if you're not happy right now in the journey, you're not going to be happy when you hit that lofty goal. 
If you're not happy right now in your life with the money you make, you're not going to be happy when you make a million or two million or 10 million. If you're not happy right now with what your life looks like, you're not going to be happy with more materialistic or more goals accomplished. You just won't. And most people don't understand that until they get faced with something in their life like you have just recently with Heidi. And then they get put back into the perspective of like, holy shit, dude, I've been on the train and the journey this whole time. And I've been looking into the distance, not enjoying the actual present moment that I've been given. And I want, you know, cause we keep saying we're going to talk about it, but, um, what is it you feel like when this all happened with Heidi, what is it you feel like, uh, changed in your perspective? What's important, but what specifically, I mean, like I, I, I had to work a lot. Right. And I never really delegated and I had to do a lot of trips and I never thought I could afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when Heidi went to the hospital, obviously, and I don't know, man, do we, we're going to get, we're going to get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, Start with when it happened. Okay. So Heidi, dude, we've talked about this, you know, we talked on the, on the show about how it was important for Heidi and our wives and, you know, to have like passions and goals and like have something outside of the kids. Yeah. And Heidi came to me and at first I said, what do you want to do? And she says, I want to go mountain biking. So we went and freaking bought her a mountain bike and she loved it. And she mountain biked. She had a group of her girlfriends. I eventually got a mountain bike, started riding with her. It's great memories. Well, uh, her cousin came to her and was like, Hey, we should do a road bike race. And she's like, okay, how long is it? She's like, it's a hundred miles. I've already signed you up. So she signed up for this road mountain bike. So we took her down to the bike shop. We got her fitted for a bike. We got the shoes. We got the freaking computer. And she was passionate. She was riding four or five times a week, riding up to a hundred miles a week. Uh, up, I think her longest ride was like 70 miles a day working up to this race where she went with her friends and her cousin and she was so happy. Like she had found her thing. Yeah. And then she went up there the race was in Logan. Uh, I got a text from her at mile 40. She got a flat and some person was sitting there helping her change her flat. And I didn't go up. Uh, she said, no, I just want to go with my friends. I'm like, all right, cool. Go do your thing, but keep me posted. Well, I was at the gym and I got a phone call from my buddy whose wife was there. And he says, Hey dude, like, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta go to Logan. Heidi got hurt. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, did she fall over? Did she skin her knee? Yeah. Cause you're thinking on a bike, what's the worst? I'm like, what's the deal? And he's like, Marcus, you, you just gotta go. So I'm like, yo, give me your wife's number. So I called his wife and I was like, yo, what's up? And she's like, Marcus, you, you gotta get up here. I'm like, well, let me talk to Heidi. And they're like, you can't. And I was like, well, what does that mean? You know? She's like, Marcus, you, you just got to get up here. So I jumped my truck. I'm doing like 120 flying in out of traffic, getting to Logan. And I get like 20 minutes from the hospital with very little updates. Her cousins called me and told me, Hey, they got her an ambulance. Hey, they got her here. And I'm still like, have no idea how significant it is. And then this doctor calls me and says, Hey, are you Marcus? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Hey, I just want to call and let you know that your wife's paralyzed. I'm like, just like that just like that that seems it's a little casual right yeah he says you need to turn around and they're gonna life flight her down to murray you need to turn around i said no i'm gonna be there in 10 minutes and like at that point like my body just went numb i couldn't function like 
really weird sensation, but yeah. So I get to the hospital. When was this was four months ago? June third. June third. June third. So I get to the hospital and I get there before they lie flight her and I go in there and sure enough she's paralyzed from her neck down. Is she speaking? She can speak. She's in severe pain. She couldn't move her arms, but she destroyed her collarbone when she wrecked. Um so like when she would move, you could hear the bones like crunching and she could feel that. And so she was in a lot of pain and she broke her neck at a C5 level. And she was going about 20 miles an hour, 19 miles, 19 an hour. miles an hour and just kind of hit a weird shoulder. So what happened is the road kind of, they repaved it. And so it kind of like had like a little hump in it, you know, like when you get a new and then, so there's like a rounded off edge. Uh, she veered off a little bit. She turned around to look at the rest of her friends and her, it kind of drifted her over. And when her tire went off that thing, it turned her sideways and she flipped and broke her neck. So long story short, doctor well, was crazy an asshole. There, there wasn't a ton of road rash. Meaning Nothing. Her, her head and neck took the, and, the impact. And if you look at her helmet, there's no dents or anything in her helmet. Yeah. There was no nothing in her helmet. So they life flighted her down to IMC. They did emergency surgery on her neck. Um, two days later, they repaired her shoulder because they said, hey, if your arms come back, you're going to need them. So they repaired that. She, we did 40 days in the hospital. We did like two weeks in the was, ICU. Was there ever a time that they said that she would walk or wouldn't walk? Never. Like they, they, you just didn't know. They said to prepare to live life, a good life in a wheelchair. So eventually, like a weekend is when she started getting her arm movement back. Yeah. Which was positive, but they still wanted to send her home in like a, an electronic wheelchair, which she refused. And she always, from the very beginning, has said, hey, I'm going to walk. Like I no doubt, but 40 days in the hospital, we did a pretty much a full remodel on our house, getting it ready for, you know, her to be in a wheelchair, which helped at the time, you know, but since then, uh, it's just a long, weird story. And I, I hate, I don't want, I don't want to like feel like I'm, you know what I mean? I don't want to be weird I, talking about it. This is something that I, it's good to talk about. Yeah. But, uh, we came out of ins- out of the hospital insurance says, hey, you have 10 days for rehab after a neurological, you know, that was injury. What, that was what your policy included. Yeah, 10 days. And so uh, we went to this really cool place, which is like second home right now called NeuroWorks. The owner, it's a nonprofit. Her name's Jan. We, she gave us our tour there and walked us through. And she looked at me about a week into it. And this is when Heidi is not walking at all, not even moving her legs. And she says, Marcus, I don't say this to many people. She's like, but Heidi's going to walk again. And she says, you need to have her here five days a week. She's like, I'm not trying to, you know, pick your pockets. I don't care about your money. If you can't do it, we'll figure it out. But she says, Marcus, you need to have her here five days a week. The average person, patient at NeuroWorks goes two days a week for one hour a day. Heidi goes to NeuroWorks five days a week for two to three hours a day. Jeez. Through that, she's started walking, started with, you know, um, they have this like lifts that you're in a hoist and they lift you up and it helps you, it relieves like body weight. She did it with that. Then she started walking with a walker. She graduated with a walker at home and then she went from one walker to an arm cane. Well, let me... 
back up a little bit and explain to you guys um, what kind of person Heidi is. Heidi is one of the only wives in kind of my whole friend group that can keep me on my toes. Like consistently. She loves giving you shit. She's a fireball, man. <laughs> Heidi Heidi is an absolute fireball. This girl has just the most like spunky, vivacious personality you've ever seen. And she's uh, <clears throat> kind of seems to have never ending energy. And she's also extremely bullheaded when it comes to certain things. And so when Heidi says, I'm going to walk again, like that's not a, that's not a, like a hopeful promise. That's, or, you know, a hopeful, uh, you know, aspiration that's like a promise yeah from her like she's whatever she says she's gonna you know do she's gonna she's gonna do that's what i know about heidi and i know that she has the um she has the drive to be able to accomplish whatever it is that she puts her mind to and this is probably the most important most critical thing that she's ever put her mind to and damn dude she moved fast yeah uh dude through this whole process i've probably cried a thousand times and I punched holes in walls and I've thrown shit and just, I mean, I, people think that I've handled this like super gracefully and I haven't, you know, Heidi's cried twice Yeah, for a consecutive time, about 30 seconds. And then she says, okay, I'm done. Sorry. Feeling sorry for myself. I just want to work. Jordan Peterson says you should, you should be the strongest person at your father's funeral. <clears throat> he talks about um, when adversity comes, you should essentially be the rock for everybody else. My question is, how how have you done that for your family? Yeah, oh, yeah dude, this has been like my saying that just goes over my head over and over and over again. It's just play the cards you're dealt, you know? If I could choose, you know, the people who say this, like, I wouldn't change what happened to me for the world. It's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, yeah. I would pay any amount of money. I would give anything to have my wife be completely normal and walk again and be able to enjoy everything she has. But that's not the case and it's never going to be the case. So we just play the cards we're dealt and, uh, you just do what you have to do. I mean, like it's hard, man. As frankly, it's like, dude, I got had to take care of Heidi. This is how serious Heidi's condition was when she was in the ICU when she first got in there because she was completely paralyzed. I mean, she had no coughing reflex. So when she would get something in her throat, she would just go, and she couldn't breathe. Just choking. Yeah. And so we had to rely at first on the ICU nurses, which are, some are really good and some shouldn't have their jobs. And they would come in and they would do this thing called a quad cough. And then they would put a suction hose down her throat to suck it out so she could breathe. And then eventually that wasn't working really good. So they put a tube down her nose that would go into the back of her throat that they could put a tube in to suck this stuff out. Then one therapist came or the, uh, what did I forget the breathing therapist come in and he says, Marcus, when she does that, you put your two fingers on your hair, you stick your hand under, you push like this and, and it'll help her cough. And he's like, you take the suction and you put it down her throat like this. And so he showed me. So after that, I wouldn't let the nurses do it. Sounds violent. It, it's not pleasant, but you know, when your wife's sitting there choking, choking and right. can't breathe, you're basically just doing the Heimlich maneuver every time she needs to cough. Yep. Jeez. But that's how serious like it was, you know? Yeah, I, I had a chance. I've seen Heidi once or twice um, since all this happened. And uh, when I saw her, uh, so Marcus put on a moto event, had a bunch of you know friends and family. Brian and, Green and, from the Edge of Power Sports. Yeah, Brian Green put together this this motocross event where basically, because Marcus's family's big in the motocross scene, his kids all ride bikes. And you guys are at the track a lot. 
And so put together this event and it was kind of a fundraiser for Heidi. And it wasn't like, Hey, come donate money. It was like, Hey, come, come ride your motorcycle on a race, pay the entry fee that you would have paid at any race. And those proceeds uh, will go to helping, you know, Heidi's rehab and amazing turnout, great event. But I saw Heidi there for the first time after the accident. And, uh, I usually don't have a hard time knowing what to say to somebody. It usually just kind of comes to me. I usually don't even have to think about it. Yeah. When I ran into Heidi, I really honestly couldn't find the words. I didn't, I couldn't say, I'm so sorry. Or, um, she would have cussed you out. Have, so have the, the standard sympathy that you need to have for somebody else. I, I literally couldn't, I didn't feel the sympathy for her, for her because I knew that she, that's not what she wanted. Heidi, Heidi wanted, our relationship and that 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 uh, you know uh, encounter to be no different than how it's always been, full of life, full of excitement, uh, giving each other shit. And she did. She, I think she instantly tar- started teasing me for for not having seen her up until that moment, um, and gave me shit. And and I was like, wow, she's she's actually the exact same person, if not a more powerful person because of what she's been through and she's not letting this get her down. She's not looking for that sympathy. She's not looking to talk about how scared she was. Um, she did mention to me in that moment. She's like, she's like, Dave, I've been down on myself once up until that point. It had been one time and it was for a total of about 30 seconds. And then she just shook that off and, and realized that that wasn't going to do her any good. I'm really excited to bring Heidi in here and talk to her because, um, man, it's like, on podcasts, you hear all these incredible people and their incredible stories and all this motivational content. And it's usually somebody high profile or, or a celebrity or something. But then you got somebody like Heidi, who's a, a mom of four kids and she's a wife and she hasn't, she's not a celebrity. She's not a high profile person, but I've received more inspiration from Heidi throughout this whole process than anybody that I can in, in recent memory, whether they be a celebrity, high profile, it doesn't matter. Um, some people who do this for a living, people who try to motivate, uh, Heidi gave me more motivation in that five minute conversation than, than anybody I've spoken to. And, and the reason for that is because it was raw. It was just raw and it was real and it wasn't putting on a show. It was basically survival for her. And she explained to me, you know, the, the mindset that she had to keep and, like Marcus said, you know, play the hand you're dealt. That's the hand she was dealt. And so she just figured out a way. So I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy when we bring her on. When, uh, when you talk about vision board stuff and like the power of mind and everything, there are people who leave the hospital and they'll, they'll say, Hey, you have 10 freaking visits for therapy and that's it. And they say, well, okay, I guess that's what it is. And then guess what? They go home and they say, well, I guess I'm going to be in a wheelchair, right? And that's not all the cases because frankly, we have a ton of people we love and care for at NeuroWorks and friends that we've made who are paralyzed and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. And frankly, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why that that is. You know what I mean? But in some cases, like there are people that definitely can get better and just don't do so because they accept that that's what it is. And when they go to the doctors and they say, you're going to live a great life in a wheelchair, they say, okay, Heidi never accepted that. And I don't know what the difference is. And again, like there's a lot of questions I got for God, right? But I do know that there's something, there's something to do with our minds 
that have power over our bodies yeah. because I've seen it firsthand with my wife. I can tell you that because she never wavered and she never, she rode a, I'm going to try not swear. <laughs> she rode a bike today, two wheels, a bicycle <laughs> yeah, that was under my her next, own my power. Next question for you. So this, this accident was a little over five months ago. Yeah. And her status today is she's riding a bike. She rode a bicycle. She, I got Not with a, training wheels. I got a FaceTime. Well, the dude, she's rode, she, in the hospital, they were, the, they let her ride a hand trike bicycle where it's a trike, but you power it by your hands. When she got her arms going, this adaptive company, which is freaking great people and awesome, do killer things, come to the hospital and they let you demo these bikes and they fit you up and they get you in them and you get to ride around the hospital. She was the, 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 or the, she was the closest to her injury they've ever let anyone do that. Then she went from that to when we went to NeuroWorks, the adaptive people came back in and they said, we think you could pedal it with your, your legs. And she did. She jumped on it with a trike, but powering it with her legs. And then today I got a video from her therapist saying, Marcus, she FaceTime and she's like, you got to see this. Hold on, let me, for the, and she, how, how pissed were you? She, <laughs> I, dude, I was just, I was just happy that. I don't care who's there, what happens, dude. It doesn't need to be me as long as she's getting better. Yeah. But she was on a bicycle and uh, rode under her own power, started and stopped balancing herself. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, something in her mind is different and is allowing her to do these things. I want to pull up the video here because uh, obviously this is going to be a – was that on your page or Heidi's? Um, it's on mine or hers. It's linked. I want to pull up. Uh, some videos here because these episodes are also going on YouTube. Um, so what I'm going to pull up here is this video of Heidi playing a bike. It says it's connected. Yeah, I had to put a little John on that. Hopefully I don't mess with your YouTube because <laughs> she's a gangster. Has to. She's an absolute <clears throat> gangster. So started with the trike. Which that, that there was in the hospital when she was living on the rehab floor. This is at NeuroWorks in, a, in their parking lot. This is the guys that her. came with the Yep, a, a Wasatch Adaptive. Shout out to those guys. I'm going to turn that music off just so that we don't get flagged for copyright. And this is today inside the NeuroWorks gym. <laughs> that doesn't look like a para or quadriplegic riding a bike. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't talk about this all the time everywhere. I do. I just don't want people to think that Yeah, but don't, be, don't be apologetic not. for it. If this inspires people like it does me, I don't know why you wouldn't share it with everybody all the time. Five months ago, she fell off a bike and it <clears throat> literally paralyzed And to her. be fair, she rides a bike better than I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. So, Marcus, we don't need any more disclaimers because I know, that, I know yeah. how you are and you don't, you don't. So, it's important that everybody listening and watching understands that Marcus is not looking for sympathy. In fact, he'll get super pissed off if you try to give him any. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't work like that. He, um, he, he, you're an emotional dude. I'm emotional, dude. That, but those emotions yeah. when they come out, it's like you try to you try to fist fight them on their way out. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> you turn into this 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 battle because you don't want to make your problem other people's problems, and that's one thing that I think that's probably why you guys have received so much love and help throughout this whole process. I, I will say this just just because I know that there's people who are listening that attended that race. You know the people that came to that race. Everyone who was there. That race generated thirty thousand dollars. And Brian Green, which is a good friend of both of ours, took that check straight down to NeuroWorks. And me and Heidi have not paid for therapy since. 
and we won't have to pay for quite a while. So it sucks to ask for help. It felt better doing something cool and fun that people could experience and not just ask for money. But at the end of the day, like everyone there who attended that race has a part in saying that they've helped my wife walk again. Yeah, no, it's huge. And we'll leave some meat on that bone for the conversation with Heidi so that yeah. we can kind of get into the details. But 100%. that's a that's a big thing that's going on in your life right now. And that's I think the only thing going on yeah, in my that's life true. right now. That is true. Um, and it sucks, but honestly, on the other side of it, you're going to, I mean, actually, let me ask you that question. Yeah. Everybody says, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is that true? Like I said, man, if I could trade this out today, if I could pay any amount of money, if I could make a deal with God and end my life to give her her legs back, I would do that this second. Yeah. But I will tell you, we've had really cool experiences. We've made, we've met really cool people. We've seen the absolute best in humanity. Um, We've seen, I don't know if you call them miracles or if you just call them Heidi's hard work and determination, but I feel like there's been a lot of that. And uh, has it made us stronger as a family? Like I never thought I could love my wife anymore, right? Yeah. I love my wife more every single day, Yeah. right? Which is good, but then it also kills me to watch what she's going through, right? I've seen my kids absolutely step up. I mean, my daughter's 15 years old and she basically does laundry for our whole household. Hmm. What 15 year old kid, you know, does that ask me if she ever complains or says anything. No, no. Every one of my kids has stepped up and we're a tighter family. And what I tell Heidi, I'm like, look, if we wake up tomorrow and we realize that this is it, and this is all you get back, we're going to live a damn good life and we will vacation and we will play and we will have hobbies and we'll do whatever we're going to, whether you're walking, not walking wheelchair, whatever. I don't care. It, it's going to be okay. Do you remember the phone conversation we had, uh, kind of shortly after this happened? I probably and sobbed through it. Yeah. There was, there was a little bit of crying. Probably swore I think a lot from both of us actually. Um, do you remember what I said when, cause this goes to the, the whole fact that you don't love to receive help from people. In fact, you, you hate it. And you, the last thing you ever want to be is a charity case. And then I said, Hey, there's people that need to help and you need to let them help. Do you remember why I said that? Uh, I remember this conversation, but I don't remember specific. I said, it was basically me convincing you to let people help. And it wasn't because I needed you to be okay with people helping you. It's because other people need that. So, uh, friends and family of Heidi, they want to support her. They, they want so badly for her pain to go away or for her to not be experiencing what she's experiencing. Yeah. But since they can't control that, they need to be able to help in some way. And so you're actually helping other people heal by receiving their help. And the reason I say that is because I've had the opportunity to, to help people quite a bit over my, you know, throughout my life. And, um, I tell people sometimes I do it for selfish reasons because the, fulfillment and gratification that you get from providing service to somebody who needs it. But honestly, there's no, in my life personally, there's no bigger high. That is, that is the happiest I've ever been is when I'm in the service of other people, which is obviously kind of a religious right. uh, thing as well. But, um, you're, you're helping other people process this tragedy and work through it by allowing them to help you because they need that. They need to feel like they are doing their part and thinking of somebody else. So my buddy, Matt Sturbins was at the moto track one day and he had set up this moto cell. 
that the amount of times that people have helped us through this thing is like, dude, I can go on for days. I mean, her friends did a Venmo thing. All this stuff just goes to Heidi's care. Like, yeah. and that's one thing I, I, we haven't spent any money that anyone's given us on anything other than Heidi's care and doing things to help Heidi. But, uh, he, he set up this whole like moto thing where people just came and brought their own old sets of boots and helmets. And he set up this whole thing. Right. And he, he kept bringing me money and I'm, and he, anything that was sold was just give to Heidi's recovery. And I was just like, dude, and it was really hard for me because he kept giving me cash in front of people. Right. And I'm like, dude, I just, I, I hate being a charity case. And he looked at me, he said something that really sunk in. He said, Marcus, it's not charity. It's community. Yeah. And that thing that sunk into me. And I'm like, you know what? If this happened to anybody else in any of my communities, I do the same damn thing. So that stuck out to me. Not, yeah. It's not charity. It's community. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's not something. Yeah. You, I, I want to get into that more when we talk with Heidi, because there's a lot of uh, different points I want to hit there that I think she'll be able to, to help us with. So with that said, we're going to kind of close that chapter yeah. of the conversation. Sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologize. That's that needs to be your checklist item. Stop apologizing mm-hmm. for, for, for sharing. It's okay to share. It's healthy. It's good. You're supposed to talk. I, this one thing that's been so hard for me, um, I just never felt the need to talk to people. I never felt the need to open up. I thought like, if I'm going through something or I'm feeling something, then just internalize it and get through it and don't be a bitch. That's always kind of the way that I viewed it. Um, as a man and a father and, you know, you're just kind of expected to just figure it out. You're supposed to figure tough, out how to feed out. your family. You're supposed to have, figure out how to, you know, send pay for your kids to go to school, buy them new clothes. You're going to have to figure out how to keep your romance alive. You're going to have to um, do all of this while still staying healthy and not getting completely out of shape. Um, you, A man has a lot on his shoulders and we just kind of have been taught that you're a man, tough it out, right? Be a man. And we do, we do that. We, we tough it out and we, and we just get through it, but that doesn't mean that we can't share, um, what we're really feeling with other people, because it turns out when we do that, uh, a lot of times we'll solve our own problems by just speaking out loud, but other times you'll identify something like childhood trauma or something that you didn't think was a big deal at all. It was a, you remember being sad that day as a kid and that was it. Well, turns out some of those experiences are like open wounds, right? And as a, as a, as a kid, you're scared of it. And so you just want to hide it. You want it to go away. And so you just try to forget about it. it rather than opening your eyes and acknowledging like, Hey, that experience sucked. And I, that made me really, you know, scared of this or resentful of that person. And now I understand that that it, it, it was okay to, for that to happen to me. Obviously, um, it was, it was essentially what you're doing is old you, which is now 38 year old Dave gets a chance to kind of sit down with six year old Dave and just be like, Hey, you know, I know this was, that was really scary. And I know that this was something that really affected you, but it's going to be okay. Like you're going to be okay. This isn't going to be something that you have to hide from and run from and be scared of your whole life. I would almost guarantee you that every single person in the world has 
some of those things from their past, um, especially, you know, childhood trauma and programming that um, affect how we act, why we act the way we do, why we do what we do, um, uh, some of our bad behavior, how it's connected to those things. Like, guys, just talk about it. So this is going to be my checklist item today is um, especially for, you know, who those, do you talk to for those dads, you know, the, the men who are just kind of, who do you talk to doing their best? Who do you talk to? Yeah. Cause yeah. I ain't got, I mean like the past yeah, you know, six months has been like, you don't want to put it on your wife, dude, especially you a wife like Heidi <laughs> turns out, know? turns out there's these things called therapists. <laughs> and when I did you trust me, when I heard therapist, I was like, Nope, 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 Nope. I'm not going to go talk to some stranger. Well, I finally kind of caved and did it. And you know, the first session with a therapist is always kind of like getting to know you. It's a little bit weird. How do you pick a therapist? I'll be honest, man. Referrals. Like, how do you find someone you're going to, cause I'll be like, dude, this guy's a cheese dick. You ask me. You ask a friend, you ask your dad, you ask, so you just ask people for referrals because you can go to the yellow pages if those still exist and pull up therapist and probably find somebody. And most therapists are good. They all have kind of a, uh, system or a process that they use to help you unpack information because that's what they go to school for. Um, but to answer your question, I would give you a referral to somebody that I felt comfortable talking to. And I will tell you that the first one or two conversations, you're not going to like it it's not fun because it's playing that get to know you game and you're trying to figure out what's this person angle, but they're trained to be able to get you through that hard part and into a part where you look forward to going and speaking to this complete stranger because you're not, you're not going to tell them what's wrong with you. You're not going there to, to, to just, you know, bag on yourself. What you're doing is you're going to have a conversation with somebody and they're going to kind of help you rewind the clock and scan through different areas of your life where trauma may have existed. They're going to help you identify that trauma and you're going to be able to sit there and look at it and say, wow, I guess that really wasn't that bad. Keaton, have you been to a therapist? No. No. I, uh, well, the traditional sense, no. Um, yeah, except for his mom is my therapist. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, um, so... A therapist, essentially, is somebody that you talk to is, is what he's getting at. Um, I've spent a lot of money speaking to people. Um, I don't know if I would call them therapists or mentors or coaches or gurus or maybe just self-help people. But if you broaden that spectrum of what a therapist is, which is what Dave's saying, which is someone to talk to, yes, the answer is yes, I have. And when you're talking about talking to somebody and opening up, there's obviously some different options. Everybody's like, Oh, call a friend. You know, you got a f close friend you can call or call, call a family member. I've been sad and pissed off and like, you know, down to the, the just the freaking end of my rope. Last thing I want to do is call somebody and tell them about it. Right. That is literally the last thing you want to do. Yeah. Like uh -oh. zero desire whatsoever. There have been, there've been moments where I've been so hard on myself and just really, really given myself just a, ass whooping mentally and um there's in that moment the you just literally the last thing you would ever consider doing as i guess as a hey man buddy can i talk to you about my problems yeah no but there really is a, an actual system in place with the people we're talking about so that allows them to help you walk through what you should walk through to get 
where you want to go. Cause you know, the biggest problem, and we've already said it 10 times is that most men don't have anybody to talk to. And really it's not that it's most men don't have anybody to lean on, get support from, and then bounce off out of their own brain. The ideas that are deep, deep inside of them. That's really what you're talking about. And to be able to sit down with a friend and say, Hey man, can I talk to you? They're not really equipped to go through the whole process with you that a therapist, quote unquote. Yeah, a friend is. a friend is not going to help you fix no. the issue. A friend is going to help you Hopefully they'll listen. Survive. They're going to they're going to help you. They're going to empathize and sympathize with you and they're going to make you they're going to make you feel some sort of warmth and love, but if it's not a friend who knows, you know, therapy and, and that whole process, yeah. they're not going to be able to go back and say, "Hey, so, you know, let's talk about that time your mom dropped you off at kindergarten and you got abandonment issues like i didn't know that was a thing yeah. for me but sure enough like i literally i i always it wasn't abandonment issues i always felt like on a family trip or something if we went with extended family if other families left before i did and i was like the last one there or if somebody leaves early you did this to me once i'm like pal i was so pissed <laughs> you left uh the day before that we were supposed to leave and it wasn't like a big deal but i get this just anxious feeling when I was a missionary, same thing. When, uh, when missionaries that I was friends with would leave the mission after their two years was up and go home, it was like the most end of the world, awful feeling that I couldn't explain. So I didn't want to talk to anybody about it because it felt dumb. It felt weird, but it affected your life. Like it crazy. affected my life forever. That's why you're always the person. And we all know it sitting here that leaves first. You always fucking bolt and leave first in any situation. Let me think about that. Is Hold that on. True? Where's hands at? Who always leaves first whenever we go anywhere? That guy, that guy right there. Yeah. But so, and I'm not trying to call you out. What I no, am trying to do it. is I'm saying, and this is why this is important. Things that made you what you do or are, they came from some kind of trauma. And so, then, and then you do them into your life and then they affect shit. So if you don't go to a therapist or a mentor or somebody, right, who's equipped to deal with it, they then dig in with you and go, Hey man, that's why your friend is pissed at you. Cause you leave him all the time somewhere. And you're like, Holy shit. I do that because I'm I don't want him to leave first. And then when you can understand a situation, you can actually fix that entire situation. So to give you this, Marcus, you know, I'm a mentor. That's what I do. I have over a hundred men. Now I have women too. I mentor women too. I have over a hundred men on a weekly basis that I sit in my office with and I say, let's talk about where you're at in your life and let's figure out why you do what you do. And you know why that's so important? You are the sum total of your thoughts. And we did this exercise the other day on my, on, my, uh, on my limitless call. You go all the way back to what gives you your thoughts. Where do your thoughts come from? Because if I'm the sum total of them, I should fix them. One well, therapy with what Dave's talking about, you actually can go back and rewire the way you think, which then changes what you do, how you act, what you choose, and then everything begins to get better. And I think that's the whole purpose of this entire conversation is what can you do to get better? Well, you should talk to somebody and it would be really cool if it was a therapist or a mentor or a guru, somebody who can help you walk through your thoughts and fix what needs to be fixed. Can you think of an experience and you don't have to share what it is, but can you think of a time when you were a kid where something happened and you were like, this, this is like, this is a big deal or this is, this is life changing. And then you just kind of moved on and, and you know, you didn't, you never really dealt with it again. No, I think it's as I get older, I never thought about it when I was a kid. And now things have happened that I look back and I'm like, oh shit. So that's the thing. That's, that's just you using kind of your adult memory. 
So a therapist allows you to go and kind of access your childhood memory and see things that, dude, they are the dumbest things too. My, I, I had these abandonment feelings because, um, well, there's a deeper, deeper cause, cause to it. But the main thing that I could point back to was I didn't like getting dropped off for school in kindergarten. I was the youngest. I had, I had so much time with my mom. I was really close with her. And when she would drop me off kindergarten, I would just sob and sob and sob. And um, so we dug a little bit deeper into why that was happening. Turns out when I was born, my dad had a brain tumor and he was supposed to die. Like he was going to die. The doctor at one point, I think they have it written down somewhere, um, like his de- prognosis or whatever, saying that like you have three weeks to live, make the best of it. Um, he actually, him and my mom were so convinced that he was dying that he went and they got a VHS camera and uh, did an interview of himself. Like he sat in a chair and he basically talked to each kid um, saying, I love you you know, this is how I feel, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to be here when you're born or when you're old enough to remember. The guy was supposed to just, you know, die. And so my mom was constantly living in this fear of my dad dying. So constant anxiety of being abandoned by her husband. Well, when you're born, generational trauma doesn't just disappear. Like, think about it this way. If eating lunch meat for a pregnant person or pregnant girl is bad and it could potentially hurt the baby. What could trauma like, like days and nights without sleep and just being at your, at your wits end. Don't you think maybe that could also enter the baby? Cause those are stronger emotions than, than sliced lunch meat. Yeah. And so I inherited some of that, uh, trauma that my mom had from, you know, worried being about losing, uh, her, her husband and me growing up, don't not want to lose my dad and I'm just stressed out. And it was just always this constant stress that somebody was going to leave or die. And then you get dropped off of school, just amplified it. Now I know where it came from and I'm able to literally, I sat with your mom. Um, Keaton's mom is my, my therapist that I talk with sometimes. And, um, she's like, Dave, you're not broken and you're not wrong for, for doing what you're doing. You're just, when, when you get triggered and feel that, you know, feeling you, you, you kind of just go into survival mode and you don't want to uh, have to feel that way that you felt when you were a kid any longer than you have to. So you just kind of like you, you create this kind of negative feedback loop where you're all you're doing is focusing on the thing that you don't want, which ultimately attracts you to the thing that you don't want. And then um, just these. Yeah. Anyways, it was a, it was very interesting to be able to dive back and, and, view that from 10,000 feet rather than being in the picture myself, uh, as I was as a kid. So you take it, you take a step back, you look at it. Um, you've processed those emotions. You feel those feelings. You think about what this means and, and how it ultimately affects your life. And you put it where it belongs. It's no longer this, you know, overheating top of the red line buzzer. That's just like constantly going off subconsciously that we don't know about. Because as a kid, it was this huge problem. Well, now as an adult, I can go back and say, I'm okay. That was okay. That was, that was okay. It happened to me and I can move on and be okay. And I'm going to put that down where it belongs. And then I'm just going to acknowledge that it happened. It's a feeling, it's an emotion that I had, but it's no longer going to control me in a way that um, causes me to do things that are harmful to relationships or harmful to myself. Like you just start, you just start looking a little bit deeper and seeing things that like red alarms have been going off for years that we just 
never, never would take the time to dig into. And dude, life is so much better when you get that shit off your chest. You know, you, you said it the other day on the call, when we were on the call, it, you, all of us have this childhood trauma that our childhood brain couldn't cope with and deal with, but now we're adults and our, our adult brain can deal with them. So to be able to go back and deal with those is how you work through shit. I'll tell you, dude, one, like one of the most productive and helpful exercises a therapist ever did with me was tell me to close my eyes and literally picture this version of me today sitting right next to that little six-year-old boy myself and just like give him a hug and be like bro it's it's okay yeah. you comfort yourself and you provide yourself with a with a, a you resolve a problem without having to have some sort of external influence do it and have somebody else has to be involved to solve it for you no you just go back and you, and you work through stuff. That's why therapy is so important, dude. Was that, uh, was that Mike Olson that did that? Yeah. I think actually Mike Olson did that once, but that wasn't, I think it was he did Andrea. that once with me too. Andrea. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's how powerful is that? It's, can you, can you imagine so that? Or does awesome. that just sound goofy to you? I don't think I'm there yet, man. Yeah. When will you be there? You're almost 40. Wow. Damn, dude, just throw me under the bus. I mean, <laughs> she, no, bro. You know what? And the reason I, you know I say that, you know, why I like this though, is because it is a huge dichotomy. I think most men are like Marcus. That's what we talk about. Probably, all the time. I, I really do. I think most men are like that, and I think what do you that's, mean, badass? Yeah, super cool, super cool. So, no, just yeah, just right. against something, and not. I shouldn't even say against, but not open to something that doesn't necessarily sound like it makes me sound strong. It makes me sound weak. Because I think most people look at it like, well, if I need a mentor or I need a therapist, I'm weak. I don't think that. Then why aren't you open to it? Because the only thing I give anything about right now is getting my wife better. But if you get better, don't get me wrong. I, uh, what I I'm handle saying is, everything is, is very a better, well. But a better you gives her better. Yeah, but I, 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 have, I do everything you don't, you don't think that you, could, you don't think that you could, uh, like Heidi's on a wild healing journey right now. Yep. Physically. Exactly. So you couldn't, you couldn't join that. I mean, it's, I'm not, it's not gonna take a bunch of your time. I'm talking about if you went and talked to somebody one hour every two weeks. Yeah. I don't know, man. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I'll tell you one thing right now. Okay taking care of Heidi full time, which has gotten significantly better because she can drive and she goes to therapy. She can drive now? Yeah. She she told me one day, I think I could drive. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> and she's like, so I was like, pass your, they have like a simulator at her therapy and she passed the simulator. So <laughs> I took her to her parking lot and she jumped in like it was nothing. And I said, okay, drive home. And she's been driving since. By herself? By herself. That's incredible. I didn't know that. But taking care of Heidi still is right. a full-time job and there's still things that she's limited to that she needs assistance with that pretty much only I can do. And I won't go into details. Right. Then I have four kids that are in guitar, drums, uh, ukulele, dance, tumbling, um, student, uh, leadership in elementary school. And then on top of that, 
you stack a business on where like today I got up at, you know, got Heidi ready, went straight to a walkthrough. Then I had to go set up a gig tomorrow morning. I've got to be at the expo center at five fifteen in the morning to turn all the gear on to yeah, just, just saying being a husband, being a caretaker, being a provider and the business owner, it, it's just, I mean, I'm pretty maxed out and, and everybody says that and they say they don't have time. But then again, I, I still go to the gym and I still do other things, yada, yada, yada. But so, so the, the, I think the obvious observation for me in this is, um, Can I could drink that water. I drink my own water. Can I have your you water? Yeah, you can have the water. You're, you're, you're spread so thin and ultimately you're using a lot of your energy, a lot of your internal resources and you are burning en energy like crazy. Sure. If you're not, and I know you do things to refill the tank, you go to the gym, um, you ride your dirt bike sometimes, whatever. Sold the dirt bike. Can't get hurt Sold right the now. dirt bike. Yeah. You don't have, um, you don't have a lot of outlets right now. Um, music. I've been playing music. That's right. You did. Yeah. And you got really good at music. Started the band. Yeah. Uh, you're using a lot of your energy and you've got a couple different ways where you can kind of refill the tank, but would, would it not benefit you and your family more if you weren't close to running on E dad had three quarters tank and he's just, he's, he's ripping along and he's doing good. And he's, he's mentally able to process things outside of just survival mode. Cause that's what you're, you've been living in. I, no, I feel like I'm pretty good. I know you are. Like I'm a good dad. I'm a damn good dad. I'm a damn good husband. And I can tell you, you personally know. though, as, as you know, your best friend, you've got childhood shit that affects you and the way you behave and act today that could be resolved. You're trying to say I act weird or something. <laughs> what no, are you trying to tell no, me? You're, I, I, you know how I feel about you, but everybody's yeah. got their quirks and their weird little behaviors. And they, there's probably things I don't even know about, but uh, I know you're, I know just a little about, your upbringing and it's not just the standard let's just keep it to what's going on right now yeah <laughs> it's, 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 yeah i'm not gonna dig into your family history but i'm well, saying i think the point of I what he's saying is is there is a lot of shit and it really is something just, that you could it's you a could, weird thing you could benefit it's, it's a weird thing say hey i'm gonna go talk to someone and I, I don't know where to start and frankly i agree dude i'm i'm a weird person where i don't really like being around people i don't like so it's like go to a therapist. Okay, so you just explained me too, though. Weird. Huh? <laughs> you just explained yeah, me. But I'm, but I'm like, dude, go talk to some like cheese dick dude and be like, I feel bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a weird, weird thing. I, it is. I love, accept. I love that because I think you're the majority of people that, that don't do that. I, I agree. Like I get exactly what you're saying. Cause I've been there. It's just, I think again, dude, and I'll, I'll die by this saying, I think that you you would benefit a lot. Would you, would you have a conversation with Keaton's mom? Like not going in and saying, this is going to be a healing session. Literally don't set up any premise of what it's going to be. Just you and her sit down and commit to having a conversation for an hour. She can ask me what I do for a living. I mean, just, no, she's not. I, I, don't, I don't think she cares what you do for a living. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be absolutely shocked where the conversation goes. I can, I, I'd bet you money on it. I really would put a, a solid. Well, here's a better question. If it made you a better husband and father and man, would you do it? I think I'm a better husband and dad than 99%. I, that's not what I'm But are you the best that Marcus I'm not, that's can not be? what I'm asking. I'm saying I don't if, think my kids or my wife have suffered better. for anything that no, I No, no, I, I, I think you're great too. Don't get me wrong yeah. there. I'm asking if it made you better because you're not 100%. I'll stand by that one. Listen, I'll, I'll back you into a corner only if you tell me you're the greatest you could ever be because you're not. And I think you're a damn no, good dad and a better. damn good husband. I, but that's the question good. I'm asking is if it made you better, 
would it be worth it? Sure. Okay. That's the only question I have. Yeah. And I think essentially what's trying to be portrayed is it can. That's it. And and again, dude, I think most people like this, most people aren't in a place where they're ready to do it. And I think it's also why 99% of people have childhood trauma passed down from their grandfather and their great grandfather and their father and, and so on. And it's so just forth. really hard to say you need help or you need to go see someone when, you know, your wife is learning how to walk again and learning how to write with her left hand and still has sure. no reuse in her right hand and when, is limited and can't do when anything. In, when in know. all reality, that's when you should accept it the most. When shit hits hard as we've all three here been in a position like that, like when shit hits hard, that's when you need it the most. Because the reality is, again, statistically, that's why men commit suicide. That's why men lose their shit. That's why they go off crazy. Because when life hits, you do exactly what we all think. And that's, I got to step up and I got to take care of everything. It's not about me. I got to do this. I got to take care of my wife. I got to take care of my kids. I got to take care of my ex-wife. When again, in all reality, the only difference that could change or make you better. And again, dude, I agree with you. I, I've watched you with Heidi, dude. It's inspiring as shit. But if you could be better, why wouldn't you look at it and or try it? You know? And, and not just be better, but feel better. Like... When you, when you lighten the load and you get these things off your chest, dude, by nature, you just feel lighter and you just feel, for me, it was more of a feeling of like hope because when I, when I started kind of feeling just really down, I didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel suicidal. I didn't feel like the world was going to end. I just kind of lost that glimmer of, of like looking forward to the future and to new things and to growing and to like, to like continuing to have a good life. I just, I didn't really think that anymore. I just kind of thought like, this is the status quo is what life's going to be. And I'll just kind of have to enjoy what I can enjoy and get through what I don't. And when I started to feel like better, I started to like view the future again without even like consciously thinking about it. I didn't have to be like, all right, let me sit down and think about some goals in the future. Like I would just start naturally dreaming up and imagining and having thoughts of like all these cool things that I'm, that I plan on doing in the future. And it gave me this ambition and a drive that I hadn't felt for years. Um, it took me back to like when I was first starting in my business and first married, like just hungry and you know, with success and stuff comes this horrible thing called complacency and complacency just basically tells you that you're okay where you're at and you should just stay there because that's the easiest way. That's, you don't have to really, you know, do much more because what does much more mean? Like you just lose, you lose that. What's the next deal? What's the next exciting thing that I want to do? What's the next talent or skill that I want to develop? You just kind of stop thinking about that or I did anyways. And so getting that back, man, I just, it's like I got a time machine. So for me, that's why that's just one of the many things that I was able to kind of like work through and, and understand. And it, it, uh, it's not just made me hopefully a better friend and a better person, which I'm trying to be every day, but it's made me a better like me. And I think I was probably a lot like you where I thought like, I'm the best me I am. Can't get better than me, but, but it can. And it happens. So let me ask you this and heavy checklist podcast. We always end with a checklist is, you're talking about the average person. They're probably a lot like me is, is the checklist item for them to get therapy. And let's say that a dude 
isn't in a position to get therapy, what do you do? I think almost that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good yeah. question. Because I think a lot of people are in that position too. At my suggestion, and this goes way, pre way, way preface to what you're asking. Um, I've learned in my life, if I'm not willing to walk into any situation with my mind open, I'm already losing in any situation. I would, my checklist item would be for those of you who think that what we're speaking about is like bananas, you should just be willing to open up your mind to understand that there are ways out there that can make you a better father, a better husband. You're a really better calling man. me out here, aren't you? No, it's not you. It's, no, I get it. It's not you, Marcus. It's the majority of men. And yes, you fall in that line because again, I work with, this is all I do every day. But dude, I'm not kidding you. I would, I would look everybody in this room right now in the eye and tell you there's not a better father than me. There's not a better husband than me. I think I'm incredibly good at those things. But if you asked me, could I do something to do better? I would say yes. And if you ask me what that is, I would say, I don't know. And if you ask me, am I willing to look at other things to become better? I would say yes, a hundred times because I'm willing to be open to the whole entire, all of it. You know, I mean, everything I wouldn't, I never want to go into a situation and say, nope, that's not for me. I would rather go in and say, I'm going to chew on it. And before I swallow it, I'm going to decide if I like what it is. And, and, you know, again, I don't, I don't necessarily think everybody's therapy. I don't necessarily think everybody's a mentor or everybody's a guru. What I do think is there are hundreds and hundreds of ways for men to open up, get support and beat trauma. And they don't look at any of them because they give the exact answer you gave, which was no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good so at what, what I'm doing. What does the average guy do? So there's, um, there's a bunch of different ways. Obviously, let's, let's talk about just the professional therapy route, right? You can go get a therapist. How do you I find mean, a non-cheese dick? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's ultimately, it's hard. ultimately the it's first hard. thing you're going to do, if you're actually get, let me start with people who don't want to go see a therapist. There's a websites like uh, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a, is a basically an app that you jump on and you can talk with a therapist and they're professional, but they're remote. And it's like 60 to 80 bucks a week is the subscription. So it's like 300 bucks a month if you want to do this, this uh, better help. And then you can constantly try out new therapists if you don't like the one you're using. So that's a cheap, easy way to do it. Like there's no excuse. Like you're going to spend $300 a month on cheeseburgers. So why not take I that sure $300 a month and, <laughs> and spend it on something that could potentially change your, that's actually so accurate. You probably <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not saying you got to stop eating cheeseburgers. All I'm saying is that uh, if somebody's on a tight budget and I'm not talking about your budget, I'm talking about right. somebody who's just listening, who doesn't know where to start. That's, that's a cheap way to do it. There's obviously um, hotlines that you can call, um, but those are more for like uh, kind of, red button moments where, where you're feeling like it might not be worth living anymore. So, um, you, you could call there, but I think the real value you're going to get is by finding somebody who actually takes the time to get to know you. And that ha it doesn't happen on one session. Um, so I remember, you, I remember so after so my you first gotta session, a, you got to do a few with a few different people, especially if you don't like them. Yeah. I, before you quit anybody, I mean, unless right off the bat, you're like, oh, this guy is not for me. Like if there's something cheese about, dick, yeah, if, if he's like full blown <laughs> cheese dick, um, I found that women are way easier to talk to. Um, I, I wouldn't go talk to a dude if I were you. Um, I would talk to, I would talk to a, a woman and the reason why I, mean, I could get into your childhood from what I know about it, why I think a woman would be a better fit for you, but, not do that. but you trust, you've always trusted your mom and you love your mom. And so, uh, find somebody that you could, that you could 
kind of trust in the same way and, and just talk to them. Um, that'd be my suggestion. I think if you're willing to, to like commit to a checklist item, I would say your checklist item should be having a one hour conversation with Keaton's mom. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Actually, it's not going to, she's not going to sit you down and say, dude, I think the first time she sat me down, she's like, you're a crazy fucker. And, and, and was like, what are you, like, what have you been up to? That. Like, she just like, she tricked me into having a conversation. <laughs> like it was just, it was just flowing. So that would be an awesome checklist item. I think it would change your life if you go that route. Um, and I think that goes, you know, for all the listeners, uh, every single one of you listening to this and not just men, this goes, this goes, we have a lot of women that listen to the show too. If you're not talking to somebody um, on a professional level about just your life, you should give it a shot. Just try it out, but don't, but don't just go one time and say that wasn't for me. Like I said, if you go and you have somebody that you get paired up with a therapist wise, and there's no chemistry, you know, as far as feeling comfortable with this person, move on. But if you do find somebody that you feel okay talking to, you got to give them at least two or three sessions because the first one is literally just kind of them knocking on the door. And I feel like for you, Marcus, it's going to go one of two ways. Oh, it's going to take a hundred. It's, it's going to go one of two ways. It's, it's either going to be I'm one sure knock and, and, and the <laughs> door flies off the hinges and you just open up because you're kind of a hot or cold guy, all or nothing, or it's going to take you a hundred sessions. Yeah. No, I think it won't. I think it would with the wrong therapist. I think it would if you, with the right therapist, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's no way you would talk to, you would open up. So that's why finding the right therapist is the biggest deal. Therapy is not just therapy. You can't, it's not like just buying, you know, a black box that you could get the same black box at any store. It's not, dude. Every person is different and you gotta, you gotta shop around and find that person that matches your, your personality because dude, they will, they will change your life. And it sounds so dumb. It sounds so cliche. Like, oh, go get help. Go get therapy. But you know what? They say it for a reason. Yeah. It's, it is the people who truly understand it and process it, um, or at least give it a shot. I think I, I can't, I don't know of anybody who I've ever talked to that could tell me they regretted it. Has Hands ever had therapy? Uh, I don't think so. Hands has done a little bit of hypnosis here on the show. I, he. Hands, you had therapy before? I will tell you this. Let go. It's a yes or no. One time on this show, Dave brought in a therapist. <laughs> I was there. Tricked me into meeting with him. I It was a trick. Literally tricked him. Why did you get tricked? It was like, hey, come up to my office real quick. <laughs> then there's a therapist in there. Then he goes over my childhood drama. I'll say this, Marcus, because I'm I'm one thousand percent like you. I I don't do that stuff. I Bad think it's ass. stupid. I think it's unnecessary. I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. I'm way more like you than I am like them. <clears throat> I would say, I will say, I would do it again with him. Fair enough. And I and I and I say that because. Not because I left there thinking like, oh, I'm an idiot or any of that. But I left there thinking like, it all makes sense now. Does that make sense? Like, it's not like a, like, yeah. It just, it it made sense on like why I am who I am. So the answer is yes. You're Tricked yes. into it. Was it worth it? 100%. Would I do it again with that gentleman? 100%. Would I call somebody randomly and set up a time to do it myself right now? And it's a random person? No. What I do with him again? Yes. There you go. 
Amen. And that's uh, that's speaking for pretty much every man out there. Yeah, because he hands is like Marcus. He's very anti-help, going and getting. So it. checklist. We have mine, but what about to everybody else? Reschedule my next therapy appointment. <laughs> I've, I, or admit, or, dude, or is, maybe the checklist is really simple. Find somebody that you can connect with to talk to. On, yeah. on a professional level, uh, not go find a friend to talk to, but on a professional level. Yeah, I think that's that's the main checklist item. Um, and I, I'm being serious. Like I got to the point where I had a bunch of, you know, great sessions and start feeling really good and unpacking stuff. And then you think that you're okay. You think you're like good because you feel a little bit better. And so you get to the point where you're like, no, I'm good. I went, I worked it out. I feel great because going is still uncomfortable. It still sucks. But the benefit after each session is, is, is worth it. So I got to the point where I was comfortable and uh, I forgot to reschedule. It's been longer than I was supposed to go, have gone without it. And so I got to take that and make it, you know, take it serious, just as seriously as you, because I don't want to go for all the same reasons that you don't want to go. Don't like it. It's not, it's not fun, especially. Yes. Yeah, so there's some sessions where it just sucks, but I feel better in, in so many different ways. And uh, I feel lighter. And like I said, I've got that hope and optimism. So that's all available to you. It's just a matter of whether you, decide to give it a shot and you've tried crazier things. I don't see why you wouldn't try this. Very true. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little, uh, Mormon joke for all of you listening and didn't know that we are all members of the church of Jesus Christ. Um, and that's us. Yeah. This has been a good session. I, uh, went a little sideways. I think we started off talking about vision boards. We did. Well, yeah. that's the cool thing about our podcast. There's no real direction. Or is it one direction? It's got, is it north or south though? Oh, we'd definitely be at north facing. Wouldn't we? Well, then we went west today. Oh, we still got, yeah, you're right. We <laughs> got a little Western, but um, no guys, this is all, uh, this is all stuff that, you know, I'm just speaking from experience. I'm, I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. Like if I went to therapy and it sucked, I wouldn't be sitting here telling you like, dude, you should check it out. Cause it's, I'm not going to sit here and suggest something that sucks. Um, or I am going to sit here and suggest something that sucks, but knowing that on the other side of that suck is, um, more happiness that you can tap into. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. Actually. Once you start, once you start understanding it and, um, you just, I don't know, man, I'm telling you, it's like that feeling of like being a kid again. You have these dreams and the ambitions and these goals and, and they're just naturally coming to you like they used to. I think that's, that's a big deal for me. Um, all right, guys, with that said, I think we'll wrap up tonight's episode. I wanted to do, there's so many things I wanted to cover, but we're going to be doing this more regularly so we can cover Tune in on the next, next one. week. Well, we'll have two consecutive oh, episodes no, 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 no. one yes. week after another. <laughs> Sorry, God dude. bless. We can't quit yet. We had a bunch, we promised some uh, questions. So we're going to go through a couple questions. Hunter, um, remember Hunter? He was on the podcast before. Yeah. Hunter Goodrich worked uh, of course I do. at the shop for a while. He just texted me this after I put up the Instagram story. He said, where do you guys draw most of your energy from? Like, what is a go-to thing you'll think about to keep you pushing forward? And he says, the caveat is if family is your number one, then what motivators come next after that? Looking for answers. Say that. That's my number one. I'm pretty sure you wrote that just for you. <laughs> Looking for answers that could apply to myself and others that don't have a wife or kids. Where do you draw most of your energy from? Don't know what to tell you. My, I, my energy you. comes from my wife and my children. 
I like stuff. Like, dude, if I get something in my head, like yours is a Black Hawk helicopter, right? Mm -hmm. Mine recently has been like, I bought a 65 F100 on a Crown Vic swap. And I remember it was like, okay, I want that. Well, obviously got to earn some money to do that, right? And then I just bought a 2013 Harley Road Glide, that's salvage title that I wanted to rebuild over the winter. So obviously there's things and I, I got to take family out of it. So, cause there's paying for therapy and everything else and all that's going on. Right. But honestly, man, if you want to do things, if you want to see places, if you want to go on vacation, if you want to drive cool things, if you want to have projects, you got to be motivated to do it. And that motivates me. And I don't know if that's bad to say, but no stuff. It's man. a great motivator. I mean, it's trips, it's, the, it, things, dude, it's fun. Carrot on the end of the stick. We gotta have I don't like incentive. working, but I like what it leads to <laughs> yeah. doing fun things, you know? I would say for me, um, you will find the most amount of energy in balance. Uh, there's no one place you can just go to get like re-energized, refocused, and like have consistent, sustainable energy. There's just nothing that I know of that can do. And I've, I've looked. Trust wait, me. wait, wait. Hold on. Time out. <clears throat> You're saying you get energy from balance? I feel the most energetic when I start to balance my life You're the life least out. balanced person exactly. I've ever met in my exactly. life. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's why I want to clear it up. I'm not, I I am the least balanced person you'll meet. Okay. But as, I, as I slide from, and shift towards finding balance, yeah. even if I only change the ratio by one or 2%, uh, I feel better. You feel, you get energy from it. Exactly. That. And, okay. so, and so I, I would recommend that anybody who, you know, don't go try to find that fountain of youth thing that's going to make you just recharged every time you think about it, but instead realize that it's, uh, it takes multiple pillars to support, you know, this platform. And if one of those is shorter than the other, then all of a sudden you start to have, um, you start spending more time and energy thinking negatively and resolving problems in your life than you would be able to actually, you know, if you had all that stuff balanced out, you'd have all that energy in reserve you wouldn't have spent it on on negative you know bullshit yeah and so it's crazy how much energy we naturally have but we just freaking have so many things that drain it and we just let them drain it we don't stop it sometimes it's because we're not aware of it and sometimes because we just don't have the energy to deal with it yeah it's such a wild cycle man it's it's one thing that yeah it's you, you know what I, I got a different one because, I mean, the majority of mine really is my children and sometimes my wife that I draw energy from. I will say my father who passed away, I spend a lot of time in, in, um, in conversations with him. And I feel like I draw a lot of energy from that. That might be a different one than, than children. And What do you mean? You draw out energy from? Conversations with him. With your dad? Uh-huh. Now? Yeah. Yeah, out um, most people would look at it like prayer, right? But I'm not praying to my dad, but like real conversations with my dad, who's, yeah. who's for those of you who don't know, my dad passed away 15 years ago. I spend a lot of time almost every, no, I would say every day in some time. It's usually when I'm in the sauna, sauna or in my meditation, I spend actual conversations with my father and I find a ton of energy through those conversations. So that's a different one than children. And I life. like that. 
I'd like to have a conversation with your dad. Oh man, I'd like to because he'd tell me I'm one of the good guys. <laughs> that man, is that what he? If used he to was say? still alive, oh, he, yeah. he would have a, a podcast more popular than Rogan's. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like that dude was just he. So I don't didn't get any of his social skills because he talked to everybody and anybody. And we would go to New York and get in a cab. And if somebody had a little less than white skin, he would welcome them to America. And he, <laughs> didn't matter who. Didn't matter. He would he he would ask them where they're from. <laughs> Um, it, obviously when he sh- like, dude, he was, he just was a, he was so raw and unfiltered that even though it was extremely offensive, sometimes people didn't take it as offensive. Cause they just like, Oh, this guy like genuinely just wants to interact with me. Yeah. I didn't get that. <laughs> I got the opposite of that. I don't like small talk. Um, so anyways, hopefully that answered your question, Hunter. Next, uh, we'll go one or two more here. Okay. Yeah, shout out to Hunter. He came to my last concert. He was in the mosh pit. Yeah, God bless. Hunter's a good, good guy. Good like people. Um, okay, here's a good one. Every time I get a small win, I feel... Okay, this is from... I'm going to go back. This is from Area Rick 2 on Instagram. And hopefully he doesn't mind that we're sharing this. Every time I get a small win, I feel some imposter syndrome and gain no momentum. More of a statement. Not so much a question, but we can talk on that because I never, I never knew what imposter syndrome was. I have no idea what that is. Buckle up. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Um, imposter syndrome is something that people who achieve some sort of success or become, let's say, and it doesn't have to be just this, but let's use it for an example. Um, somebody becomes famous for, uh, being an actress. Okay. They, they feel start like they to, shouldn't they be there start, or something. They start to not feel like the famous person that the world is seeing. Like everybody views you as this and they, they start to not really truly believe that that's who they are. And so they question their identity. They feel like they're faking it. It's this, it's, I, I've, I'll, I'll tell you what it's like for me. Cause imposter syndrome is for everybody. You know, again, I told you, I started doing like mentoring and helping people. I question myself all the time. Am I, am I really worth it? to help these people. No matter how good I get and no matter how many people I help, I still ask that question and I have that imposter syndrome where I'm like, am I really am I really doing anything? Am, am I, I really qualified helping? to really Yeah, answer that's that. the word. Am I qualified to be doing this? And you know the one thing that helped me a lot is I spent a lot of time in the last 2 or 3 years with really famous people. I mean, we get to spend time with all kinds of crazy cool people and I've never met anyone in my life that didn't at some point feel imposter syndrome. So for me, I was like, oh, good. Okay. Everybody feels it. So if everybody feels it, then I should just learn how to work through it. Yeah. It's normal, I guess. Yeah. It's okay. It's basically what it is, is is self-doubt. Yeah. And sometimes life happens faster than we can even process. I think it's self-doubt and a sense of, a, a, a sense of humility. Yeah. Like sometimes you're just like, no, 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 no. I'm not as good as they're saying. So I'm not that person. When in all reality, you are, you are who they're saying, you know, I'm looking for one more question. Let's here. get a good one, Dave. I feel like those were both pretty good. Good. Well, the last one wasn't a question. It was just a statement. Yeah, true. This is an interesting one. The way you say it makes me really worried. It says, what was the biggest regret and the biggest win from diesel power gear? <laughs> it's a very uh, that's, direct. That's a question. whole podcast. Uh, yeah, it is a whole podcast. So, oh man, 
<laughs> Diesel Power Gear, for those of you listening who don't know, it was uh, the apparel company that we started in 2012 when we wanted to start giving away trucks. And um, it was a great company. We, we sold a lot of... Uh, a lot of different. Was this one of the biggest regrets? <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you, for those of you who can't see what's happening, our podcast desk um, is basically the flatbed of a pickup, and there's exhaust stacks, and we've plumbed smoke to come out of the. the it's basically just like fog from a party, so no, it's not a pollutant, and it comes out white. But um, that's what. That's the button. When you Bad hear this rumbling, you just the smoke starts coming out. For those of you watching this, I was wondering what the rumbling is. was. Look at that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, anyways, Diesel Power Gear was this company that we that we formed, sold diesel merchandise. Um, it was a big company. I think our biggest year was like $30 million in revenue one year. And we recently closed that company down uh, for a variety of different reasons, which I'll probably have to talk about in another podcast. But, um, oh, man, biggest regret. <coughs> You don't have a lot of regrets. I don't regret much. No, it, like if there's things that I could have done differently, I probably would have gone back. But you still don't regret stuff. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't. No, I don't no, think you have very many regrets. I don't know how to regret. I really yeah. don't know if I ever learned how to regret. Um, I'm talking about just thinking about things that I could change. Um, <coughs> I don't know. That, that's I will have to cover that in, in a different episode because there's so many like. The company went through phases. That really should be a whole episode because I think people should hear about what you did there and. I mean, they should hear the whole story. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun, but I also never liked it. I didn't like apparel. I never <laughs> wanted to be in the t-shirt business. We came up with that company because we wanted to give away a truck and we knew that doing like a raffle was illegal, uh, a raffle for profit. So we learned the sweepstakes model. Um, and we knew that we needed to sell something. So we started by selling these dub like rubber wristbands, bracelets that said diesel power on them. And they started selling like crazy. And then it became a t-shirt and apparel company. And uh, I just, just wasn't passionate about it. I was not passionate about making shirts or trying to figure out apparel. So are you guys dying? What's happening? No, I just got is a tickle in my throat. Won't go away. Is it the, is fog? It the fog? Did we over fog? I might be allergic to the fog. Yeah. Anyways, diesel power gear is no longer a business. And I'll explain to you guys all one day what happened and what I learned and uh, what to avoid. I mean, I'm both like on a really small scale for me, both you and, and I Kingdom. have had massive um, yeah. apparel companies. Kingdom. Do you remember that dude, uh, the tattoo artist who did most of the designs? Carl? Yes, Carl. Story for another day, but. Is he still around? I don't know. That guy does some great designs. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the apparel, we've all done the apparel thing. It's, um, I think everybody kind of, that's, that's the first thing you go into, like when you're trying to get into a lifestyle they just go for like a t-shirt, start, you know, selling t-shirts. So, um, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's also, it wasn't for me. And so needed to think bigger and we are thinking much bigger now. And I'm, I'm hungry again. I'm not like, I'm not stuck running a company that I wasn't really enjoying. That's fun. It's like getting a new job, but you're still your own boss. Pretty cool. Um, let's see. There's one last one that we can then close out on. We, yeah, we should do a, a question. We actually finish the answer. So when you said you were hungry, did you need us another slice of this pineapple pizza? <laughs> I'm going to have some. You want me to read the question so you can have a bite? Uh, that's a whole lot of questions. Yeah, you're just scrolling through a whole entire Dude, two page. We, we, we got hundreds of questions here, guys. Um, 
lot of them are, are like about flying, pilot's license. Oh, what happened with Nikola? Um, oh, good. Another podcast yeah. episode question. Uh, Nikola news coming very, very, very soon, guys. There has been some humongous things happening in the background between me and um, that project. And they are all pretty much ready to be released and talked about. So definitely not sweeping that under the rug. It's going to be something real big real soon and you guys will see it um you know i'm gonna do some videos on it and it's gonna be pretty awesome that's what happened <laughs> Another yeah, nicola as a whole the, after they threw trevor out and tried to you know just did they, they tried to just go back to trucks only and turns out the market doesn't really care about trucks nobody was like caring about electric semis and so they lost all their momentum and steam on the market and the and the way the company was ran i think there's there's some things they could have done better and i don't think any of that would have ever happened when trevor was there because he was on a rocket ship trajectory and he got he got taken out maliciously because somebody made a lot of money doing it it sucked but i think the company can't say much more about it than that <laughs> next podcast yeah um all right anything you guys want to add we got our checklist items which is basically kind of one which is go find somebody to talk to um and not just like a a friend in your conversation with a friend um and i know that's where everybody says start just go you know talk with a friend get it off your chest that's about one percent as effective as going to some like somebody who's trained and being able to work through this so go do it so with that said Hopefully we'll see you guys here next week, right? Two weeks in a row is all we can guarantee. <laughs> Stay tuned for episode two. Is this season two, season three, season four? Where's the sound effect. <laughs> you turn this up. Oh, I hit way too much. You pushed them all. All right, let me try this. Let me show you guys some of our. Why won't it stop? There we go. Oh, I had... wait. You have a laugh? Oh, yeah, listen. <laughs> Why did we not use that when Marcus was getting emotional? <laughs> you should not be sitting next to that button. That's eerie. Hell yeah. We got some sound effects, guys. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned because next week I'm going to definitely overuse all of those. <laughs>